Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Denver, Colorado with my new friend Mitch Creighton of CreightonTravel.com. Mitch moved to Denver from Los Angeles and loves the open sky, active trails, and how vibrant the city is in all four seasons. In this episode, Mitch and I talk about the American Beer Festival, touring the Denver Mint, and the unsinkable Molly Brown. You know about these three amazing attractions, plus a bunch more. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Denver. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Whether I'm traveling for business or pleasure, it's important to have clothes that make me look good and feel great. I wear Bluffworks jeans, slacks, dress shirts, and blazers because they're wrinkle-free and are designed for the modern traveler. And if they get dirty, I quick spin in the washing machine and they're good as new. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash bluffworks for a special offer and select from the latest styles so you can stay wrinkle-free when you travel. Hey, Mitch, welcome to the show. Hey, Lee. Pleasure to be here. Today, we're talking about Denver, the Mile High City. We've done an episode before with my friend Michelle Jackson, but it's good to come and circle back into the city and learn a little bit from you as well. Thank you. It's my kind of town. I got to tell you, I love it. Awesome. So you're actually a transplant from you know where I used to live in LA, and you've been in Denver for about, what, about a decade or so? A little more than a decade now. Yeah. Right on. So what brought you to the city? So here's the deal. When you get up there in age, and my real calling is I'm in the travel world, and all of your clients tell you, oh, I used to live in Chicago. I lived for a while in Paris. I lived up in Vancouver. And my whole life, I was born, raised, educated, spent most of my career in Los Angeles. And I said to my wife, we've never lived anywhere else. So we had just sold our home. And we said, well, we have an opportunity. We got money in the bank, nothing holding us back. All the stuff has been cleared out of the garage. And we decided, okay, let's look at our top five or six cities. And we looked at the central part of California. Gorgeous was beyond the budget at the time. Uh, we looked at uh, Boise, Louisville. We looked at Austin. Austin almost got me. I have uh, dear friends and family that are in Austin and would spend many a Christmas there. And, you know, people go, Austin, you want to move to Texas? I go, no, 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 no. Austin's weird. And I've <laughs> got a wonderful sense of humor. And of all the parts of Texas, that's the only place I'd want to be. But a friend of mine that I was really, really buddy with when I was in Los Angeles had moved to Denver seven years before. And he said, well, before you make a choice, he says, come on out here. Come on out here for Thanksgiving. Well, middle of November, December, what am I going to need? Knee-high boots, you know, for the snow? He says, come on out, come on out. So he takes me in his car and he drives the two of us all the way up to Fort Collins. And then he drives the ridge route all the way down to the Springs. And I'd never seen so much beauty in my life. And the only thing that was missing off of my bucket list was it didn't have an ocean view. And I reconciled and I said, well, neither does Austin. You know, Austin has lakes in the middle of the city. We've got beautiful lakes and rivers and all kinds of wonderful things to do. But I would not have picked a better city. I love Denver. There's uh, such an open space to it. You know, you're from Southern California. Everything is crowded. Your vision feels like it's very limited with buildings and traffic everywhere. And you go here and you look up and the sky is wide open. 
<laughs> I, I've never felt so free in my life. So nobody can call me a native Denverite, but I got to tell you, I'm not going anywhere. I love this place. And, and I hope anybody that's listening to this would, would come and see why Denver is such a lovely place to visit. Don't get carried away and want to move here, though, because uh, housing has gotten very, very expensive because a lot of people want to move here. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, uh, when we considered places to move, when we were leaving California, Denver and Austin were both on our high on our list uh, before we ultimately settled on Nashville. And all the times I've been to, to Denver, it's been a wonderful place to kind of walk around the downtown, try all the different local beers and, and food and, and everything like that. And the scenery is is hard to beat. That's for sure. Well, we are now the beer capital. It used to be Milwaukee and LA, you know, had its breweries, but here, not only is this the large breweries, but we also have the King of the Craft breweries. And we have every year, we have the American Beer Festival. It's at the convention center and the line circles around the convention center to get in. Obviously, the cost of admission lets you taste as many samples as you can handle. I, I've got four little craft breweries within walking distance of my home. Everywhere you go, People are making beer and they're putting their own little spin on it. They're adding fruits or they're adding spices and they have their seasonals. So if you love beer, Denver's the, Denver's the town to come and visit. And every season you can always taste something new. And of course, then all the restaurants are trying to do, you know, plating things. So if you've got a sweet beer, let's come up with a dish that matches. If you've got a tart or a tangy beer, let's do a plate that matches. So everywhere you go, this is a good food destination to match the beer destination. Absolutely. Yeah. The, I think the last time I was there in Denver, I went to the, the visitor's bureau and they actually have maps of all the beer trails that are there downtown. And so you can walk around, you can check all that out. And after a few places, you're probably not able to walk as easy because the, the beers are good and they are strong, but it's, it's definitely a wonderful way to spend an afternoon. The other thing about downtown Denver, though, is you're absolutely right. It's a walking metropolitan area. I go to a lot of cities and the downtowns are not what people would do other than go to work. And we have the 16th Street Mall with free bus transportation up and down. And so you can dine, you can go to a movie, you can go to the theater. It just, it crosses everything that you want to. And of course, lots of places to live and lots of places to work in the heart of downtown Denver. Let's take a step back for a second, Mitch. For the people that aren't familiar with Denver, as far as how to get there and everything like that, let's talk about uh, flying into the airport. So obviously, Denver International is a, is a really big airport, uh, but there's other, some other airports as well that are nearby there. So if you're looking at flying in, I guess it's a matter of what type of activities you're going to do when you arrive there in Denver, right? Well, Denver, or DIA, is our major airport. It's a hub for United Airlines. It's a major hub for Southwest, but all the major carriers fly in and out of here, and it is an international airport, so we have some connections that are nonstop to Paris, nonstop to London, nonstop to Frankfurt. From here, you can get almost anywhere. We're in the middle of the country, and so it's interesting that from here, I can connect almost anywhere in North America very easily. There's usually one or two stops because we're in the middle. But the point is, I don't have to worry about not getting a flight in a reasonable time anywhere. Yeah, we also have the Colorado Springs Airport, 
which is a large regional airport. I'd compare that to Burbank over LAX if we had the Southern California connection. And it's it's surrounded by the Air Force Academy. It's surrounded by an Air Force base. So air service in Colorado Springs is a very, very big thing. Uh, not as many flights, not as many carriers. It's the hub for Frontier Airlines. We also have, uh, when you're going skiing, from either location, you can take a commuter flight into the Aspen Airport. So um, you, there's a shuttle bus you can take, or if you prefer, they'll handle your skis and just fly you right into Aspen. And from there, you can go to Breck and you can go to all the different ski resorts that you want up in the Rocky Mountains. Oh, fantastic. So let's assume that we're flying into the DIA. Uh, once we arrive there and uh, we want to get out to the downtown area of Denver, do we rent a car? Do we take public transportation? Like, how do we get around from the airport to the city? And then once we arrive there, we have this wonderful new A train. The A train terminal actually is inside the airport. So from the airport, you can go to the A train and it will take you all the way through downtown and let you off at the Central Station, which is our recently revitalized train center. And in the train center, we have a brand new hotel and we have restaurants and, and <laughs> a beer hall and coffee <laughs> shops and, and we have bookstores. It's a great renovated building, gorgeous architecture inside, gorgeous architecture outside. And across the street is the Oxford Hotel, which is very classic of Denver. Renting a car, all the major agencies are there. You don't need a car if all your business is going to be in the city center or if all your business is going to be when you're going skiing. Because when you go to Aspen, there's a shuttle bus that takes you around to all the different slopes. So you don't really need a car unless you feel you want to be more in control of your time. We also have Uber and Lyft. We've got a good taxi system here. Everybody seems to respect everybody else. There's plenty of off-campus long-term parking at the airport or short-term parking right by the terminal. I usually take an Uber myself because I figure by the time I would have to hassle parking and pay for parking, I just get dropped off and got picked up and away I go. So that's my way of flying in and out of the city and my car sits in my garage. <laughs> <laughs> that makes life certainly so much easier. So say we take you know the A train into downtown and, and things of that nature. From there, where should we plan on, on staying as far as booking a hotel? Should we stay in that, that downtown like corridor, or is there someplace else that we should look at? So I would say that the downtown corridor for your first time in Denver is a great central place to be. There are things that you can see and do to the north, the west, the south, the east. If you go west, and the lovely part about Denver is if you see mountains, that's the west, so you always have your compass orientation. And with a whole row of 14,000-foot mountains, the mountains are always visible unless it's raining. We hardly ever have cloud cover or small gear, so you can always tell what orientation you are. So the city center has got the zoo, it's got the main library, it's got the art museum, it's got the Museum of Natural History, we have golf courses, we've got restaurants, we've got movie theaters, we have the Denver Center for the Arts has uh, five theater venues, everything from a little in the round theater to we have our own opera house, we have our own musical theater performance venue, and we have just 
so many wonderful classic historic buildings, too. If you remember the unsinkable Molly Brown, well, Molly Brown actually was a survivor of the uh, sinking of the Titanic, and her husband built the Brown Palace. And so the Brown Palace Hotel is a triangular hotel in downtown. It's so classical. You go in, and it's beautifully carpeted, wonderful brass fixtures and hardwoods everywhere. Uh, it actually has uh, a tea time with a tea service, very much like if you've ever been to Vancouver. But uh, very classical, very elegant. We have a Four Seasons. We've got, oh my gosh, you name it, we've got it. We have a JW Marriott. We have a Four Seasons on the high end. At the low end, we have a lot of everything. So you could stay here in town, I would think, easily from $75 to $1,000 a night, depending on your taste. Much of downtown is walkable. We have a light rail system that will get you to different places. There are several communities that we have. We have the Denver Tech Center. We've got Cherry Creek. We have uh, going north into Lakewood. All of these are communities that you can go and visit. I wouldn't think you'd do that on your first visit here. You'd probably want to just focus on downtown. Oh, we also have a wonderful basketball arena. We also have a fabulous, very, it's new, but it's classically designed baseball stadium. And, of course, you might have heard that we have Mile High Stadium for this Broncos football team you might have heard of. And so if you love sports, we've got it all. And if you're into amateur sports, we have uh, a whole bunch of soccer fields and tennis courts and a concert venue just to the north of downtown. And we are also uh, one of the few cities in the United States that has a professional rugby league in Glendale, which is just south of downtown. And so there is a rugby field. Uh, the ladies were the uh, national champions last year. Uh, the men were national champions two years before. So very good quality rugby if you're into that sport. It hasn't got the same traction as baseball or football yet. But, uh, you know, those that are into rugby realize that the bumps on your shins are badges of honor. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, earlier you mentioned that um, your friend actually recommended you come out. Probably it seemed it sounded like it was like winter time. And from what I understand, like Denver does not have as bad of a winter as you might suspect, right? It, I guess all the snow is primarily up, up in the mountains, and based on the elevation of, of Denver and, and just the conditions, it may get a little chilly, but it's not you know three feet of snow like you like you might think. Well, the beauty about how Denver was created it's the it's the confluence between the North Platte River and the Colorado River and the Cherry Creek. And all of those things came together, which is always how towns got started in the old, old west. But it's just east of the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. Now, what does that mean? I mentioned we have 14,000-foot mountains here, right? So all the weather blows up and shoots everything really high. And by the time the precipitation normally hits and touches down, it's in the eastern plains, which is why we grow all of our fruits and vegetables and our corn and whatever we grow on the eastern plains. We used to be part of the Kansas Territory, and all that flat land that used to be part of Kansas, we have a bit of it, and that's east of us in the eastern plains. And so the center part of Denver, what it is subject to is massive swings of temperature. And so the thing I tell people is be prepared to wear layered clothes. 
So this is true. I got up one day and it was 100 degrees. And the next day it was 35 and it never got hotter than 60. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's how rapidly the temperature shift can happen. That's just being here because we're at mile high. I mean, 5280 is actually uh, chiseled into the steps of our Capitol building. And, oh, we do have this wonderful Capitol. We have the U.S. Mint, which can be toured. And you can actually buy a bag of uh, chopped up money if if that's what you like. Uh, The Capitol, you can... Uh, well, I don't know. We've had some, you know, issues socially, but there there was a time where you could go to the Capitol. There would be a beautiful tour, and on certain days, you could actually walk up the spiral staircase to get to the top of the Capitol Dome. About four years ago, the Capitol Dome was restored with a whole new coating of gold leaf, so it shines brightly on a beautiful day. That sounds beautiful. Coming wintertime, everything is decorated with lights, and uh, the, the whole Civic Center is is lit up every year. So, okay, so it sounds like you can pretty much visit Denver any time of the year. You're not going to be worried about too much of the, the snow. Obviously, it could be a little chilly and things like that. But what are some of like the festivals that, if people are planning to visit, maybe they want to plan their, their trip around one of these festivals. So what are some of the festivals that occur in Denver? Oh, there's just too many to, to announce. I mean, the Beer Festival is one of the big ones. Uh, we have... Uh, Chris Kindle Market at Christmas time. They serve Glog downtown. We actually have a little ice skating rink set up. We have all kinds of festivals throughout the year. We actually have our rodeo. That's the other thing we have downtown. My gosh, we have so many things here. So we have the uh, the Western um, uh, Center, which has hosted a rodeo. And just as they did in the 1860s, 1870s, they bring the steer down the public streets to announce the rodeo's coming. And so we have, <laughs> we have a lot of uh, Western wear shops. And uh, if you ever go to uh, uh, visit the Western complex, you'll know that horses and bulls have been there. It's hard to get that smell <laughs> out of your nose. Oh, for sure. That's a major event every year. We're having next week, as you know, the all-star game for baseball. We have some pretty good teams in this town, so every once in a while they'll win a pennant or they'll win a, a national trophy, and isn't that nice? There's not a time in this town that I would say we aren't celebrating something. We have a lot of lore. of Denver, as I grew up, never was taught to me being involved in the gold rush. Well, there was a gold rush here in Denver, and... I was never taught about the significance of coal here in Denver. And in Denver, coal was mined in Wyoming, and it travels down by rail. And a lot of what we did with energy and with lumber and with um, cattle was all done through the use of coal. Well, coal is obviously being phased out so that they're trying to find more renewable energy. But it's still, it's part of our history and it's it's amazing to me the extent of the history of Denver to the development of the Western United States. Trains are really well respected here. Matter of fact, most of the hubs that would come from uh, Chicago would come through Denver and then go south. They would go straight south into Texas. And so there's a whole part of the southwest of the United States has no tracks. 
So Denver was a major rail hub, and that's why renewal of the Union Station is really so pretty. So all of our light rail goes there, our buses go there, our actual trains stop there, and then, of course, the A train connects to the airport. We really don't miss for anything. You know, being from Los Angeles, I knew I could get any kind of meal at any hour. I knew I could buy any kind of clothing at any hour. We have it all here. So I didn't miss that in the slightest. And uh, the the one thing that we didn't have here, but we have now, Trader Joe's. So we <laughs> <laughs> my wife would be very happy to know that. Yeah, yeah, we we have Trader Joe's and we have dollar stores, and we have the ninety nine cent stores in Los Angeles. We have dollar stores here, and so. <laughs> All kidding aside, there isn't a retailer that doesn't have a presence here. We have some high-end malls. We've got some normal malls. Every big box you can imagine has a presence in Denver. Every restaurant chain has a presence here in the greater Denver area. We're about, I would say, 74 different communities, but nobody feels like my community. Is, it's like we're Denver. Oh, that's <laughs> in really Los cool. Angeles, I remember if you lived in the Valley and you lived in Orange County, it's like two different worlds. Nobody oh, yeah. Talked. Yeah, no, absolutely. I remember living in in Orange County. We we call it the Orange Curtain. It was basically like you, you can tell once you walk, <laughs> once you drove through to L.A. versus Orange County, it was like a like stepping into a different world. That's for sure. Yeah, we always used to say, did you get your shots to come into Los Angeles? <laughs> for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mitch, I really appreciate you sharing all these amazing tips. Uh, I know I've learned a lot about, about Denver. I can't wait to go back and visit again. But now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for, for one meal when they visited Denver, where should they go and what should they eat? I have a place that I love. It is in the Stanley Marketplace. Stanley Marketplace is the old factory where... The Stanley Manufacturing made the jump seats for jet fighter pilots. So whenever you see people ejecting out of a jet, that was made by Stanley Manufacturing. Well, they're long gone, but the marketplace now has restaurants and so forth, and they make handmade empanadas. Oh, my. An empanada is an Argentine, Mexico, South America flavored dish, and it's filled with all kinds of wonderful, yummy things. And it's a hand food, so you can eat it while you're walking. They're delicious. And the only way you know what's in them is by how they fold the edge. Each edge has a unique shape. Yeah, my wife loves empanadas, so uh, we'll definitely have to hit that up when we come visit. Now, like you said, you've lived in Denver for a little bit more than 10 years. What's one of your most memorable stories of being there? My favorite story about being here, I'll be honest, it's how I met my current lady in my life. My wife passed away in 2014 very suddenly, and uh, I've been married for 44 years. And uh, a mutual friend said, uh, we're telling stories at the Children's Hospital this year for Christmas. They have a big tree, and we all get in the lobby. Well, I got there. And uh, she had another mutual friend, Beverly, and we both were telling Christmas stories. They bring the kids out in wheelchairs, some on gurneys, the parents are there. And it was such a heartwarming experience to see people from all over the area come together to give their heart and just see the smiles on these kids and on the parents' kids. It was a form of community I'd never sensed in Los Angeles. 
you, you just don't come together and rally like that. Usually it's people you know from work and, and so forth. But my gosh, there's so that's my, that's my heartwarming story for Denver. <laughs> You know, and I met the lady that I currently live with now. We've been together for five years. Bless her heart. I feel like I've been struck twice by lightning. Two lovely ladies in my life. Oh, that's amazing. And it's so wonderful to be able to do something like that, to be able to give back to the community. And and although it was just for like a brief you know, night or brief moment, the fact that you did that, I'm sure that like resonates with those families even to this day. Well, here, here's the uh, here's the epilogue of this. So Beverly was recruiting for a storytelling group. She's a retired educator and she said, we want to go into the end of the classroom and tell stories to the kids so that they can learn that older folks are not just their teachers and their parents, but older folks are nice people that can bring them a smile too. So we have this storyteller group. We have 25, 30 people during the term. We go in once a month and we tell stories for about 30 minutes. And every month we come back and the storytellers are here. The teachers love it. The kids love it. And of course, I get that wonderful, warm feeling in my heart. And uh, so we have uh, several storytelling groups throughout the greater Denver area that do this in each one of the school districts. So it was the start of something good. I'm grateful. That's really <laughs> awesome. I, I applaud you for doing that. That's, uh, that's fantastic. So speaking of happy moments and, and good times, uh, where's the happiest happy hour in Denver? I don't think you can go wrong going to any one of the craft breweries. They all have new beers. They all have happy hours. I would just say go find a craft brewery and get there between, you know, four and six and have yourself a good a good time. Uh, it's very congenial and you can do the beer crawl and find a new one. You won't run out. Yeah, for sure. That's one, that's one thing I love about like those beer trails is that you know, maybe you don't like the beers at this one. You know, maybe it's like I, I'm not a big fruity beer type of person, right? Some of them have a lot of fruities and they get a little weird, right? <laughs> so you don't like it, just go on to the next one. And eventually you'll find one that you really like and you may not go on to the any, anymore. You may just hang out at that one and, and spend the rest of the afternoon at that one spot. And sometimes the fruity beer will surprise you. You know, they'll put a, a bunch of ingredients in there and they'll tweak it with a spice and you go, well, dang, that was refreshing. I would have never tried it. Yeah, to your point, like sometimes, you know, like you're on the tour anyways. Uh, you might as well just try it anyways and, and see if you like it. And if you don't, hand it to one of your friends. I'm sure they will. You know. <laughs> so one of the things I always do whenever I travel is I check out the local pizza. So what's the best place for pepperoni pizza in Denver? So I got to tell you, my favorite place is in Greenwood Village. So in Greenwood Village, part of the Denver Tech Center for the business side and Greenwood Village for the living side. There's a place called Pizza Repubblica. And if you've ever had a pizza from Italy, you realize that it is flat and it is crisp and it is made with fresh ingredients. I have been to a lot of pizza shops here in Denver. I've eaten a lot of pizza in my life. My belly will attest. But that reminded me of the original Naples pizza. Hand churned dough, hand flipped, everything was tasty. The pepperoni was not something you bought in a supermarket. This was you know, <laughs> hanging on a butcher's wall. I mean, the most delicious. And then if you're really nice, you ask them to put a little truffle oil on it. 
Oh yeah, you're, you're making my mouth water there. You know, so there you go. Pizza. <laughs> Ooh, there go. I'm gonna have to get on the flight right now and then go check it out. There. <laughs> <laughs> now I know that you know you and I we met through a group called Travel Massive, and so it's it's a, a people that know so much about travel, and I know that you have your, your travel business as well. We'll talk about that in a minute. So I know based on all that, you have just so many different travel tips that you can offer. What's one of your best travel tips? Here's what I tell everybody. Make reservations, not excuses. Do it. We tend to want to help other people and we work our tails off doing what we do in our careers. And when it comes time to giving ourselves a reward, we tend not to do that. And so, you know, I've got a kid that needs a graduation. I've got somebody that needs help here. I'm going to be doing this project. And when you say to yourself, well, when are you going to take that bucket list trip? Oh, I don't have time. I've, I've got too many other projects. And I say, you know, the clock's ticking. So the, the thing is, everybody knows how to make the excuse. But make the reservations. I don't care whether it's go to two towns north of where you live. But get away from your normal streets, your normal routine, and be in a different place. And the farther out you go, obviously, the, the different it becomes. The minute you go to a place that has a foreign language, even Mexico or Canada. I mean, it's amazing when you go to Canada and everything's half French. My whole life in Southern California, everything was half Spanish. That was a foreign language experience. It was grand. You don't have to go all over the world, but certainly as we are aging, we start to realize things start to hurt and you know the body starts to tell us we're not able to be you know jumping up and down and doing all the exports and all that. So if you got a bucket list that's burning in your heart, plan it, do it, put some money down and pay yourself back for all that hard work in your life. So that's my trip. The, the other thing I got to say is uh, if you haven't looked at your passport recently, you want to make sure that your passport's up to date. What people don't know is there's still a large backlog and usually there is a backlog for renewing or issuing passports. And I've seen it take as long as four months. So if you don't want to pay ridiculous rush fees or have a third party walk it in and hand stamp it, and you'll pay double, triple for that, look at your passport now and see when does it expire? Because almost everywhere in the world, that passport has got to have at least six months left on it from the day you're planning to come back home. If not, they have the right to refuse your entry into their country. So don't let that be a bad surprise. Yeah, I, uh, I actually made that mistake last year. We, after traveling to Canada for snowboarding with my daughter and, and son, I remembered, oh, you know what, I got to renew this. And then the pandemic hit, and then a tornado hit here in Nashville, and I forgot about it. I kept thinking, I'm like, oh, I should check on that. And I never got, the, I always got distracted. We got a trip booked to Mexico. I looked and oh, her passport expired. And uh, unfortunately, she wasn't able to make the trip because the passport expired. And, and so we got it all fixed now and everything's good. Here's your bonus tip. This is the golden <laughs> moment. Are you ready for this? Yeah. So if you have that happen and it's a trip you have to do, I mean, let's say you've lost a relative and you've got to be there, you know, for last rites and so forth. You can always reach out to your local congressperson and they know how to expedite passports. So that don't do that regularly. <laughs> But as a last resort, your local congressperson has the right and the authority to expedite the issuance of a passport. Yeah, that's an excellent tip. It wasn't an emergency for us to go down to Mexico. 
Oh. <laughs> Enjoy the sun. But yeah, it, it is definitely a worthwhile thing to do for people that are in that type of situation. Mitch, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all these amazing tips. I learned a lot about Denver. I've been having a great time meeting you. Can you tell the audience a little bit about who you are, what you do? And then if somebody has more questions about Denver or about your podcast or about your business, what's the best way for them to reach you on social media? Well, obviously, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook, uh, Mitch Creighton, K-R-A-Y-T-O-N. I own Creighton Travel. We are a VIP boutique travel agency that focuses exclusively on small ship cruising. So if you thought about river cruises, if you thought about lake cruising, if you thought about uh, inland waterways, canals, even ocean vessels that are smaller than 900 passengers everywhere in the world, I have a vessel that will suit you. Or you can charter a catamaran in the Caribbean if you have a small family gathering. Or if you have a lot of people, 90 people, I can get you a luxury yacht to pretty much take you anywhere. So long as there's a water connection to it, that's my specialty, and I do love it. And most of the folks I work with, they're they're in their 55-plus years, so they're either you know C-level officers that have the flexibility or they've retired, and they're ticking off their bucket list as well. So uh, that's what I do, and uh, Mitch at Creighton Travel is my email, and I look forward to helping everybody and uh, – you know, if a, if a cruise is in your life, I'm the guy for you. I'm the small ship cruising concierge. I do have worldwide travel cast, which you can get through any one of the sources out there. Or you can just you know email me and I'll get you a link to that. And uh, I do the uh, small ship cruising expo every year. And we're planning to do one uh, in September of this year virtually rather than physically. So people from all who are within earshot of this podcast can play along. So yeah, thank you so much for all that. We'll include links to your travel agency, the the podcast, and the uh, Small Ship Cruise Expo in the show notes. So that way, if anybody has any interest in attending those, they'll be able to find that link right there. So again, thanks for being on the show. We look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Thank you, Lee. This has been my pleasure. Welcome everybody to come visit us here in Denver. What an awesome conversation with Mitch. As someone who loves craft beers, I always enjoy walking through Denver's downtown area to visit the local breweries. You can find all the links we talked about today at wetravelthere.com forward slash Denver. We want to say thank you to Bluffworks for being an affiliate partner of today's episode. Bluffworks offers many styles to fit your needs so that way you can save your free while traveling. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Bluffworks and use the promo code LEAD to save 10% off your order. Join us next time as we head to Billings, Montana to seek my new friend Jim Markle of Red Ox Manufacturing. In this episode, Jim and I talk about the Burn the Point Car Show, the gorgeous scenery along Beartooth Highway, and the Montana State Fair. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app so we don't miss any of our upcoming destinations. Music